0: You're listening to The Pet Factor, news on pet health, wellness, and the latest in veterinary medicine. Hi, welcome to the next episode of The Pet Factor. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. And I'm Brittany. Uh, Brittany, this week we're going to go into, uh, mammary tumors in cats and dogs. Okay. Uh, before we do that, let's get some news stories we wanted to bring attention to, uh, people. Yep. And the big thing everyone's talking about is the coronavirus. Yes. So we're recording this in uh, April here. So, um, the biggest unknown right now is the potential for the coronavirus to affect cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. At this point, really no good information doesn't seem to be affecting them. Um, but there is a uh, the big problem for veterinary medicine is the risk of shortfalls of uh, supplies for us. Yeah. So people are buying up all these masks and gloves, and then if we need to order them, we're not able to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also been a disruption of the supply chain from China where a lot of our drugs come from. Yeah. So uh, even though people aren't buying them, we're not able to get them right. in, the, in the supplies that we need to. So um, – they're looking to see if they can find other ways we can get those medications. Um, regarding the there's interactions with pets, um, the CDC and the World Health Organization says there's no evidence that companion animals can spread the COVID-19 virus. Okay. However, those who are sick with COVID-19 should avoid contact with animals, is the current recommendation, okay. just as they should with people, yeah. until more information is known about the virus. When possible, you should have another member of your household take care of the animals while you are sick. And if you must care for your pet or be around the animals you're sick, wash your hands before and after you interact with them and wear a face mask. And they do recommend a face mask for the people who are infected so they're not spreading it. If you're not infected, there's no reason for you to go around wearing a face mask or putting one on your pets like we showed that one time. At this time, they have identified one dog that belongs to a woman in Hong Kong who they believe is infected with the virus he's tested a weak positive Hmm. but right now no one really knows what that means um so basically uh, they've had they've done a second test that was also weak positive they sent it off to the world organization for animal health Um, they don't know what weak positive means in this animal it could mean that the dog is living with this woman who's got the virus it inhales virus particles and when they did the nasal swabs they're picking up these secondary particles in the dog's nose it could mean it's very weak attenuated uh in the dog it's not able to reproduce as well as it can specifically
1: testing for the 19 version right okay
0: so uh it's a pomeranian does not have any symptoms of the virus but it's quarantined just like the owner
1: how did they go to test it then
0: they, no. because the, the woman was, was sick, positive. so they decided ah, to test the, the dog. dog. And, you know, who knows if these test kits even work well in dogs, if this is, uh, this weak positive is just a side effect of some other cross reaction, with some other virus that the dog has. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. So for right now, dogs and cats seem to be safe, but just use the precautions with them like you would with other people. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All right. For our next one, uh, we have an unlikely hero. Um, so we had um, some cats trapped in a burning garage, and they were saved um, by a little pity. Um, so while in South Australia, a family was fast asleep. Chaos was erupted from their garage. It caught on fire. Oh. Um, it was a fam- uh, the family's staff fire um, bull terrier named Stan. Um, yes, Dan. Um, he started barking to alert the family of the fire. Um, you know they he helped save two cats that were ch- trapped inside. Firefighters quickly, quickly responded, and they were able to help. You know, free the last two that were in there. Everyone came so out uninjured. The cats
0: were sleeping in the garage. Mm-hmm. The dog found center of fire and.
1: He started barking.
0: Um, So he, he was doing this because he wanted to save the cats. He,
1: he was. He knew the cats were in there. They were his friend. Pits and dog kitties can be friends. Um, but Stan is a, you know, true hero now. He's been proven his bravery. Um, and it also proves that dog and cat stereotypes are utterly useless. You know, Stan just helped break that stereotype. Yeah. Um, you know, while commonly thought of as more people friendly breed, um, this pretty would have, you know, left no kitty behind. He he <laughs> saved the kitty cats and his family, so
0: they were part of his family. I, I've heard stories of this before, where animals have actually you know woken people up and have managed to save people, but I've never heard of them saving cats yeah. before. So you that's... know what?
1: There was a video some um, years ago where a dog actually um, there were kittens trapped underground and it was flooding, uh-huh. and the dog actually helped alert people, and was digging, and the people came up and grabbed the kittens. Because they couldn't find mom around. So, like, the dogs Ah. helped to rescue four little kittens that were pretty much drowning underground. So, dogs are fabulous. They're great heroes.
0: Okay. All right. That's, that's, it's nice to see stories like that after these silly. Uh, not silly, but after the coronavirus, serious <laughs> coronavirus stories we're doing. All right, let's move on to our health topic, and mm-hmm. we're talking about mammary tumors, which are equivalent to breast tumors in people. These mm-hmm. affect the mammary glands along the dogs and cats, and dogs and cats have chains of mammary glands on either side. So there's usually four or five nipples on either side that that are all kind of loosely connected. About twenty percent of the tumors in cats, so all tumors in cats are mammary tumors. Mm-hmm. Um, The incidence is about 1 in 400 cats will develop a mammary tumor. Okay. And probably the reason we don't see a lot more is because of spaying.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Typically, typical cats can be about 10 to 12 years of age. Mm -hmm. This can affect male cats as well.
1: And it can affect younger cats too. We had a a 9-month-old cat. Yeah. mammary tumors.
0: Yeah, and it's that's really rare, but it's going to yeah. be. And usually if the younger cats, they, they're going to be Siamese, or mm-hmm. uh, they're at much higher risk. So if we do see it in younger uh, cats, those are, probably have some Siamese blood in them. Yeah. Um, it is the most common tumor of female dogs. About one in 500 female dogs will develop these tumors. Very, very rare in male dogs. Okay. Uh, in dogs, it's more common in the Spaniels, the Pointers, the Poodles, Dachshunds, German Shepherds, and Yorkies. Okay. Um, there's several types that we see in dogs. Most of the tumors are benign. They they can be either adenomas or cyst adenomas. Um, and there's also a mixed tumor. That's a combination of those, uh, those tissues that are most common in dogs. The malignant ones that affect dogs are going to be adenocarcinomas, mm-hmm. cyst adenocarcinomas. Um, just regular carcinomas are the most common malignant ones. The most serious one that we see is what's called an inflammatory carcinoma. Mm-hmm. They're rare, but they're, those are very aggressive and have the poorest mm-hmm. prognosis. Cats, you're going to also, are mostly malignant. You're going to see the adenocarcinomas and cyst adenocarcinomas. They don't typically get the mixed tumors mm-hmm. in cats. So what we've found, and there's been numerous studies to back this up, is the younger you spay the animal, the greatly more Mm -hmm. decreases their risk of developing mammary tumors. So we recommend by six months of age. Yeah, A lot of shelters will do them even at two or three months. Mm -hmm. So if you spay a cat at less than six months of age, you've reduced their risk of mammary tumors by 91%. At seven to 12 months, you've reduced it by 86%. Um, at 13 to 24 months, it's only reduced by 11%. Yeah. And if there's spame after two years of age, you really haven't reduced their risk mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll use hormone supplementation to treat other problems. That can also increase their risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, with dogs, we see the same sort of thing. Okay. Less than six months, we got a, a decreased risk of about 95%. So that we've that's a pretty significant reduction. Yeah. Uh, between the first and second heats, you got an 80% reduction. And then after two years of age, you got no change. Yeah. Now, in people, uh, people who have become pregnant have a decreased risk of breast tumors. Pregnancy does not decrease breast tumor risk in dogs. So saying you're going to breed them because it's going to make it less likely. It's not, not the case. It will not make them make them more likely because obviously they've gone through at least one heat. There, mm-hmm. uh, the clinical presentation is pretty obvious. You're going to see a swelling or a bump along the mammary chain. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's metastasized to other parts of the body, we can see symptoms associated with that. The most common place it's going to uh, metastasize to is the lungs, so you mm-hmm. can be some coughing. But it can get to the bones. It can get to the brain. Seizures or lameness can be presenting complaints too. Mm-hmm. Um, You can also have the localized tumors present ulcerations in the skin. Um, You can have discharge from that area or even from the nipples. You can have enlarged local lymph nodes Mm -hmm. as well. Um, The malignancy rate in cats is 90%. So the key in cats is detecting early and getting to it early. We want to get these before they get to be an inch in diameter. Mm -hmm. So if they're less than three-quarters of an inch, usually they have a much better prognosis. 30 to 50% are malignant in dogs. Um, And the most common places they spread are those lymph nodes and Mm -hmm. the lungs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times before we do surgery on these animals, I like to get a chest Mm x-ray as part of our workup. So our diagnosis, we're going to make sure we're not dealing with just an infected mammary gland, which can happen. There are other tumors that can occur in the skin that can maybe make it look like it's a mammary tumor because it's just in that area. Um, You can get enlarged lymph nodes along there that can also do that. Um, inguinal hernias can sometimes be mistaken <laughs> yeah. for mammary tumor. So that's a hernia that comes up right uh, where the back legs meet the body. Mm. And so you can sometimes feel that. Uh, in some cats, the, the inguinal fat pad has been mistaken for a mammary tumor because those can get inflamed or irritated yeah. and get swollen and red. And you know, go, oh, my gosh, it looks like a mammary tumor. and You look at it, and it's It's just the fat passed down. So sometimes those actually have to be removed if they're really severely uh, affected. So we're going to do a full exam on them. We're going to look for any other symptoms. We're going to do x-rays, like I said, of the chest and the abdomen, usually, just to look for any signs of metastasis. Um, If we're suspicious it might not be a mammary tumor, we might do a fine needle aspirate. But the most definitive way to treat these and to diagnose them is with excisional biopsy. Mm -hmm. When we say excisional biopsy, we're trying to take the whole tumor out. Um, When we're dealing with uh, cats, we're going to probably be as aggressive as we can and do what's called a radical mastectomy. We'll remove the whole mammary chain on that side of their body Mm -hmm. that's affected. Um, Dogs seem to do okay with just localized lumpectomies, um, especially since most of them are benign. Um, But if you do see a, a couple of mammary glands affected on the same side, we're probably going to yeah, do the no, rattle so, mass documented yeah. dogs. That's it's a pretty serious, aggressive surgery. Yeah. It can get kind of expensive for them. Um, additional tests, a CT and MRI might be better at picking up metastases. So if you're not sure or you've got neurologic lesions, that's going to be the best way to, to look for those uh, lesions in them. Um, if the disease has spread, we may still recommend surgery just as a palliative care. Because if you've got a big mammary mass that's ulcerated, that's oozing, it's a quality of life issue. You want to get that off them so that it's not causing problems. And they may still live six months or yeah. so uh, with, the problem with the the disease going on. Um, if the, and dogs, if we can get at least about a two-centimeter margin, a little less than an inch around there of normal tissue, we usually have curative results, mm-hmm. even with the adenocarcinomas and the cyst adenocarcinomas. Um, in cats, uh, typically... Um, is you're, they're going to recur. It's yeah. very rare that we just get curative results even with the radical mastectomies, but sometimes we do. Um, spaying at the time of surgery if they haven't already been spayed it does not seem to increase survival times, yeah. but it does prevent them from getting uterus infections in the mm-hmm. future and other problems and going through more heat. So we usually will do it if the animal is stable enough for yeah. it. Um, chemotherapy can has been shown to be helpful, uh, but it you know, people are oftentimes scared of doing that because it can make the animals sick. Okay. Yeah. Usually the doses we do don't tend to make them very sick. But it, it, if we look into, especially in a cat, or if the biopsy in a dog comes back, if you want to make sure you're completely curative, then you're going to want to do that. Um, local radiation therapy has not been very effective. It might be for very small lesions or very localized lesions. So that's just something to talk with the oncologist about. Yeah. So the prognosis in cats is very much based on the tumor size. Yeah. So, again, if they're less than 2 centimeters, they'll live 3 or more years disease-free yes. is the average. So you get some that go longer. If the tumor is between 2 and 3 centimeters, you get about a 1 to 2-year uh, survival rate. And if the tumor is bigger than 3 centimeters, which is not much bigger, it's, it's about double to triple the size of the smaller tumors, um, your survival time is only about one and a half months. Oh. So by the time, if you, if you can find those nodules when they're the size of a little pea or a, a, a sesame seed or something like that, mm-hmm. that's the best time to deal with them, get them off. And so if your vet says, you know what, let's take this off, say yes, don't wait and watch it yeah. because it's better to take off something small that can be treated. And even if it's not a mammary tumor, you you at least rule that out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, with dogs, the benign ones, surgery is usually curative. It's not going to affect your life. Again, less than three centimeters have a better survival time if it's malignant. Bigger than that, it's very poor. And if the biopsy comes back as an inflammatory carcinoma, a very poor yeah. prognosis on those animals. Um, prevention, spay your pets. And you're going to talk about this uh, in yeah, the a little later. But, but spaying these animals less than six months of age is very important. Mm-hmm. Um there's been some cases with neutering in dogs where they do want them to be neutered a little bit later for certain breeds. Mm-hmm. The bigger, the giant, giant breeds, yeah. the sighthounds. Um, there has been some evidence. But for the females, getting them spayed at six months of age prevents so many problems. It's, it's the most important thing you can mm-hmm. do uh, for preventive health care apart from the vaccines and the, and the parasite preventatives. Mm-hmm. So if you feel a lump along your your, your pet's body, their chest and the abdomen, um, get it checked out immediately. Don't yeah. wait. Don't wait till their checkup. Just get it checked out. If the vet says, "Oh, it's just a lipoma or it's a cyst," great. You can you can keep an eye on it then. But if they feel that it might be a mammary tumor, you're going to want to get in and get that surgically removed as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on to our case of the week. Yeah. All right. So this is a um, interesting case and it's still being worked up a little bit because we ended up. This dog came in because it was limping on the right rear leg. Okay. So, and not so much limping, but just wasn't putting full weight on it. It was dragging the toes when they walked. Mm. So I checked and did a, a neurologic exam where I had the dog stand up, I support their weight underneath their belly, and just flip their back toes over so they're standing on the top of their right. toes. And see, they should flip back to putting their foot flat on the floor right away. For Riley, the left foot was... Perfectly normal in the back, and the front feet were perfectly normal. But the right rear would flip it over. He didn't even know he was standing on the foot wrong. And we had him walking down the hall. You could see him dragging that toe as he was walking because the the neurologic um, reflexes, was called conscious proprioception, was not working well for him. Hmm. So I, d- I did some checks to see how his joints felt. There's no sign of acutia injury. The hips were pretty much intact. Uh, we tried to get some x-rays, didn't get some really good x-rays, yeah. but did see some arthritis along there. So we sent him out for a referral. Owner is very interested in getting it worked up. She's had other dogs with cancer before. She's got Pet insurance for yeah. Riley. <laughs> and um, what they found was that he actually had um, some lytic lesions or uh, areas of the spinal cord that were being eaten away by a tumor. Uh-huh. And there were uh, spots in the lungs, too, that could be metastatic lesions. Uh-huh. So we're waiting to see what happens with Riley. Um, I remember I had a dog with what was called a multiple myeloma, which is the most common tumor the vertebrae in dogs. And they actually had surgery done on the dog's neck. And this was a mean little dog. Had to sedated <laughs> to do nail trims, and the dog did really well.
1: Of course it did. <laughs> They so
0: they, they gave the dog maybe six to nine months. That dog lived another three years oh, and course. did really well. So we're, <laughs> our, we got our fingers crossed for Riley. Yes. But you have to be aware that um, limping or especially dragging the foot, especially if it's one-sided, mm-hmm. can be a problem with that. We can see some bilateral disease that can be re- associated with degenerate disease or a, a disc lesion. Uh, disc lesions can respond while the cortisone and rest. Degenerate diseases are less in, of a problem. Uh, Good prognosis, mm-hmm. um, but it's you know not as bad usually or quickly developing as the cancers can be. So just want to make people aware of the fact that have your veterinarian do a thorough neurological exam, orthopedic exam. X rays are very important, mm-hmm. but when our uh, lim- diagnostic limits are, are reached, the referral places, especially with the CT scans and MRIs. Yeah are so much better at picking up these spinal cord lesions. Mm-hmm. So even if there's a lesion on the spinal cord, sometimes the vertebrae look absolutely normal, but unless you do a, uh, a contrast study, you're not going to pick up those masses. Yeah. And that's you have to be able to do that, especially if you're going to go in and do surgery on them. Mm-hmm. The surgeon needs to know where to, to do the surgery. Yeah.
1: This is where that pet insurance really comes into play. Right. Because, you know, you won't say no to a referral if you've got your pet covered right. on insurance.
0: And you get a relatively young dog, and mm-hmm. uh, and the surgery's, you know, it's a tough surgery, but if they can have a good recovery and can go on for another few years, a lot mm-hmm. of times it's worth it. All right.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, tech tips. So yes. what I wanted to talk about is because of the, the mammary tumor thing is mm-hmm. some... Other reasons why people should get their animal spayed and neutered. Because yes. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say it's because it prevents mammary tumors. Yeah. But there's actually a lot of other good reasons yes. to get the <laughs> spayed and neutered. They have nothing to do with that. So yeah. I figured you'd be a good perspective on that. Yes.
1: So... Getting your pet spayed and neutered, you know, one thing is just the overpopulation anyway. Like, most people, you know, they say, I'm going to leave my dogs intact because I plan on breeding them. You know, if you plan on breeding your dog, you know, first of all, you got to make sure that, A, your pet is up to date on health and everything. Like, you don't want to breed, and as much as I hate to say it, you don't want to produce a bad product. And right. that is one thing that we do see a lot of. You know, if you have a sh- uh, shepherd comes in and he's got horrible hip dysplasia and you plan on breeding him, his puppies are going to have horrible hip dysplasia. So you're just going to keep breeding, you know, bad genetic health issues. Um, So you have to make sure your pets are good for that. And a lot of times, most pets are not. Right. Um, But, and then again, it's just the overpopulation. You know, a lot of times, most pets that are bred through backyard breeders, end up in shelters um and you know that's why these shelters are overpopulated and a lot of the breeds that you do see on adoption websites or at adoption events are going to be dogs that were bred in someone's backyard unfortunately or a lot of the puppies you know your dog gets out of the house or something you know especially these intact animals their instinct is to go out and breed and so if you leave an intact animal in the yard what is their first instinct going to do to get out of the yard and find another nice. intact animal, jump the you know, fence. Mm-hmm. And
0: so, I had, I, I think, I told a story before about the the Saint Bernard that jumped through the picture window in the, the family's window. house. Mm-hmm. Crazy,
1: yeah, it's crazy. And you know, a lot of people, you know, especially a female dog, they get out, they come back home, and owners are think, oh, they're lucky until you know three months later, there are puppies in your kittens or in your kitchen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, most people, you know, don't think about these things. And you know, yeah, now you have. You know, six or eight puppies. Mm-hmm. Now you have to find homes for them, That's and you have to work. care for them. Literally, yeah. for eight puppies to have to sit there and care for them, and then if something happens to mom, like yeah. most people don't think for breeding dogs, especially like you know, a bu- a pug or a bulldog or even like these large breeds, Saint Bernards or Mastiffs. A lot of times, you need to have a hospital prepared. To have these puppies ready because they have right. to have like a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times most of these breeds cannot successfully have, you know, go through labor on their own. Um, if your dog can, that's fabulous. But most of the time, is not going to be a purebred that can make it on their own. Right. Um And then just some of the risks that comes with leaving your animal intact, too, besides, you know, your pet getting out. You know, you have a chance of, you know, your dog getting out and maybe getting hit by a car. Or if you have a younger dog, or not a younger dog, a smaller dog, depending on your area, there could be coyotes or, you know, birds of prey or things like that. You know, you can have your little intact Yorkie get snatched up because... Yeah. He's out looking for another female, and that's what happens. Um, but it also helps with behavioral things as well. Yes. Um, a lot of time, behavioral issues are fixed when you, you know, spay and neuter before six months.
0: We we just had a poodle in uh, a couple weeks ago. The owner, the, the two intact poodles were fighting, and this yeah. one was instigating problems. She said, well, I need to get them fixed. Mm-hmm. And, and so he'll stop doing that.
1: Yeah. Well, we had a, um, and this was a few years ago, we had a lady with two golden retrievers, And they were father and son. And of course, they're intact. And they start attacking each other. And you know why that's happening. And that's because that testosterone, the son is trying to overthrow dad now. And unfortunately, dad's, you know, older, a little weaker now. But you have 200-pound golden retrievers in your house. Mom's getting hurt. Dad's getting hurt. We're seeing these dogs every week because one of them's limping or have bite wounds. And these are things where he's like, you know what? I know you're happy you have the son, but he shouldn't have happened. You know, dad should have been neutered at a younger age. And mom kept asking, well, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And we had to tell her, you know, ma'am, you have to neuter your dogs. This is going to keep happening or you're going to have to rehome them, especially because they're going to keep fighting. And again, this is how dogs end up in shelters. You have two intact animals. They start fighting or aggression issues. They end up in shelters or they end up being put down or something because of aggression issues. Um, You know, it's just spaying your females. A lot of times people don't think that, you know, a female dog can be as aggressive as they can when they are intact. But a lot of times, I mean, you ever dealt with an angry woman? So <laughs> we are intact. And it's kind of the same thing. You're going to get that attitude. You're going to get a little aggression. Mm-hmm. And especially when they're going through like their heat, they get, you know, protective. They start, you know, making little nesting areas. And a lot of times we have seen people get nipped at or something because they want to move the nesting area and a dog is protecting that site. Um, so it's just a lot of behavioral things that could be prevented. If, you know, we were spayed or neutered, right. um, and then a lot of times, you know, females too, you don't want to have to go through those heat and see little bloody spots yeah. all over the house. That's that's really nasty. It is. <laughs>
0: and, you know, people say, oh, I think I'll wait. And then the first time the dog comes in the heat, can we get them spayed right. now? can we get a spade? No, we have to wait.
1: Well, and then that's another thing. You know, a lot of times they go into heat and they immediately come to the hospital and say, can they get spayed now? That is such a risk. Yeah. for us to put a uh, dog in heat under yeah. and then that's so much blood loss because you have to think they are in heat the uterus is inflamed there's so much blood going down right. there. that is such a risk for us to take and then even for the pet
0: well we had that one puppy a couple of weeks ago his platelets had decreased very mm-hmm. much from the heat yep her platelets and gone you down. know when we tried to get the blood sample for the pre-anesthetic it wouldn't stop cl- wouldn't she wouldn't
1: clot. stop she wouldn't stop bleeding
0: and when it came back two weeks later, the blood count was back to normal. We were mm-hmm. able to get the spay done. The uterus was shrunk down to a decent size where I could work on it. But mm-hmm. you know, you put your dog at serious risk by, by doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, just spaying and neutering. That's one of the first things most pets get done when they're in shelters. Um, and yeah. there's a reason for that. And that's just, again, the overpopulation of it. You know, you see these animals in shelters. You see the pictures. You see the commercials and things like that. Why would you want to... Bring more animals into that situation, yeah. especially if you know, reputable breeders again, they breed for and I hate to use that word better products. Um, so better quality, right? you know, you want to make sure you're breeding out health issues. So bad hearts, bad hips, bad joints, things like that. There's bad a, there's teeth. There's
0: a lot of work that goes into selecting a lot the mates of work. Mm-hmm. and making sure that they're, they are good, healthy dogs and mm-hmm. they're trying to work on getting a lot of these genetic diseases out of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And then just breeding anything. Right. Is and not they, good. and they
0: have homes for the, the dogs that they're breeding. So usually before they've even bred the dog, they know eight mm-hmm. people that want puppies. Mm-hmm.
1: They're on a list. Of people, right. you know, they say, "I want a puppy." I want to melt when you breed your dog, and you know, if you just have a dog and you just say, "Hey, I have eight puppies. Who wants to get your pu- who wants to get a puppy?" You're a not knowing where these dogs are going. B don't know what you're giving these people because if you have a sick dog, you know these people could come back at you and say, "Hey, you gave me a sick dog." um and see again just that overpopulation you don't know what these people are going to do with these dogs you don't know if they're going to end up in a dog fighting ring Mm -hmm. you don't know if these people are just going to go out and try to breed these dogs for more money and i don't think people realize that you know when you're breeding your dogs you're not in it for the money because again how much work and time you have to put into them is not worth it and then again a lot of times if you can't find homes for them now what are you going to do you're going to take your five or six puppies that didn't get adopted and take them to shelters yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's how a lot of animals end up in shelters because people breed them, can't find them homes, and they just drop them off and right. they still never think to spay or neuter mom and dad.
0: All right. So. Yeah, a lot of good health reasons, but there's a lot of other reasons mm-hmm. to get those animals spayed neutered by six months of age. Um, and if you're worried about doing it that young, if you got a, a big, giant breed male dog, talk mm-hmm. to your vet. Find out what their recommendation is. Mm-hmm. But the females, there's absolutely no reason to let them go through a heat at all mm-hmm. uh, because it does increase their risk of these, these yeah. problems going forward. Yeah,
1: I know a lot of owners, we do have uh, some people who have for elections just because they're smaller but they still go through the same issues as a big dog would. yeah Oh, yeah. Um, you know, these teacup poodles and yorkies the, the, just the, the because they're two yeah. yeah, they still have the same things going on. They need to be spayed. They need to be neutered. It's going to be health issues.
0: Okay, well... Just wanted to remind people, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, to go ahead and subscribe to our channel mm-hmm. uh, and get the, click on the notification bell so you get notified whenever we put up our podcast every week. And um, I also want to tell people we're going to have a special uh, St. Patrick's Day oh. episode with Monica again. So yes. <laughs> we'll be putting that out next Tuesday, I think, is, is St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Uh, and then our next health topic, we're going to talk about uh, chronic kidney failure. In pets, And we've talked a little bit about it indirectly with blood testing and some of the the drugs that are associated or toxins that are exposed with kidney failure and some of the testing we have. But we're going to put it all together for people. It is something we see very commonly in cats and we do see in dogs as well. So we're going to fill you in all of that. So that's it for this week. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Pet Factor with Dr. Jim Hosek and Brittany Reeves.